Peace, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Check the Method Podcast. I am your host, M. Tony Peralta. And today I bring you Tiffany Gomez. Tiffany is a native New Yorker, Latina from the Bronx, where she runs her Gomez Design Studio. I went over to her studio and uh, we chatted about a variety of things from her process to being a single mom, to leaving her corporate job and what it takes to run a, uh, a successful furniture business. This was a very fun and insightful episode. I, I had a good time speaking with Tiffany. Um, very impressed with you know all the stuff she has going on and how she manages to to find balance um so without further ado let's dive into this new episode with tiffany gomez peace tiffany thank you so much uh for uh, doing this thank you for having me here and thank you for having me be a part of the podcast yes. I'm, I'm very excited about it me too uh uh like your space I feel like that I could easily get a splinter, though. Yes, I get them every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> so just can you just tell me a little bit about yourself, where you was born, raised, where you're from and all of that? Um, well, I'm a native New Yorker, born and raised in the Bronx and still living here. Um, I am a mom and an artist, uh, a designer. I work mostly with salvaged and reclaimed woods. Um and I always think that's it. I try to keep it yeah. short and sweet. <laughs> I have uh, a hard time talking about myself. I have a uh, a feeling you used to do something else. Like, so prior to being uh, this furniture designer, were you in another industry or were you doing any uh, something different or in the design world? Um, yes. Well, my background is in um, interior design and architecture. Okay. Um, unfortunately, after school, there uh, certain opportunities were not available. And I ended up taking a job um, at a design firm, but not doing what my background was. Um, and I stood there for about four years and was extremely unhappy with it and decided to just start my own thing. Yeah. And um, in the in the middle of being in that company, I started this business. Um, but of course, you know, when you get stuck with the the comforts of the nine to five, mm -hmm. I didn't really put much into it. So it was more like a hobby. Yes. Um, until I had my son. And that's when I kind of just went 100% into this. Um, and I've been doing it for five years. That's that's awesome. It's, it's interesting because a lot of times when people have kids in that kind of situation that you're talking about where you was wor working a nine to five, uh, it wasn't necessarily what you wanted to do. And you were, and then you started doing this as a hobby. Having a child might hinder that hobby part. Right. And then you would just kind of forced to stay in the nine to five because now you have a mouth to feed. Mm -hmm. Well, what, what happened to with, with, you know, being a new mom, I was like simultaneously going through a divorce, um, which was an even bigger challenge. But what I didn't want was to have my child be stuck in daycare all day. Mm. Um, I always felt that my child is my responsibility yeah. um, and nobody else's. And so 
I sacrificed a lot of things to make this business grow and to also be very present in my son's life. Yeah. And it has paid off and I'm grateful that it, it's worked out. And I've, and I've had a lot of support along the way. So I can't say that it's all me because that support is, is really necessary to be able to do this. Yeah. But it's, it's really great to hear that. And for folks out there to hear that you could chase your, your dreams, right. And your goals and, and still like be your mom and, mm -hmm. and, and just kind of learn and figure out how to like balance those, those, everything that comes with that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think wanting to show not, you know, not just prove to myself, but also show my son that his mother is working hard and like be an example for him. And I involve him in my work as much as I can. Like, and I've done it since he was a kid with small things so mm. that he can be a part of it too. And it's not just, you know, mommy's going to work or doing something and I'm not connected to it. So he's a part of it and he has seen all of the things that I've done up until now. Yeah, so. that's fun. What school you went to? What what uh, college? Um, I went to New York School of Interior Design. So okay. it's in the Upper East Side in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. So you pre pretty much been in New York all this time. Yes. Yeah, I know what that feels like. So, <laughs> um, real quick though, as far as your work, like, so you said you do um, furniture from salvage wood, and can you explain that a little bit? And like, I guess where you get your wood, I mean, is do you get it from around here? Because we seem to be in a building where they, they work with wood. Um, well, the salvaged uh, uh, means basically the wood is um, has already been used. Uh -huh. So I'm basically kind of recycling the wood. And the particular wood that I use is lath, which is normally found in interior homes Um pre 1950 so like before sheetrock mm. so it's it's a very old wood um it started with me just kind of finding it on the curb like when people would mm -hmm. renovate their house they would leave it outside and i would just i would just come and take it um but you know having been doing this for a, a few years now i've built a connection with local contractors and a few friends of mine um so anytime they're doing renovations they just call me and let me know that they have material for me so i directly pick it up from them that's cool have you always been somebody that's been good with your hands? Yes. So can you please explain um, how was Tiffany Gomez when she was 10 years old? I mean, I was always drawing like that was from, you know, being a being a child when I could first hold a, a pen and, and paper. I was always drawing and and coloring. And as I got older, I, I would do things with my dad. You know, he would, we would build stuff in the house or cause my dad is very handy and he's also an electrician. So he would have me be a part of whatever it is he was doing. Mm -hmm. um, so I've had a very early introduction to working with my hands. Um, and it's just something that really stuck with me. I've always been fascinated with how things are made, yeah. um, watching other people make things and I just kind of absorb it. And I've always been a very, firm believer in being, uh, you know, um, a self-sufficient person. So it's like, if you want something, I, I need to figure out how to do it Yeah. instead of just waiting for other people. Like I want to learn how to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in all honesty, when I started the business, I never had any formal training with mm -hmm. working with wood. I'm all self-taught. Um, and I continue to learn and that's, that's a, a wonderful part of, doing this 
that's pretty awesome. Um, kind of almost like learn as you go. So you like you have this machinery here, which is super intimidating. How do you get over that? Um, I was definitely intimidated when I first started, but I did it anyway. Yeah. You know, watched videos and made sure that I understood how the machine worked and, you know, where to put my hands, what not to do, that sort of thing. And the machines actually come with a lot of safety attachments, which I don't use because they actually get in the way of the mm -hmm. work that I'm doing. So I've gotten very comfortable with it over the last few years. But initially using that equipment and, and the, uh, the attachments to, to keep me safe helped me uh, feel more comfortable with it. Mm. Were you one of those kids growing up that used to take things apart and put them back? I don't, honestly, I don't even know if I did that. I don't remember, but I, I know I was always creating something, yeah. always wanting to put things together or drawing, like I said, just doodling, sketching, and, and kind of brainstorming. That mm -hmm. was always, always me, but I don't know if I took things apart. No. So how does, as far as where you work, how does inspiration come to you, right? Like, are you know, uh, there's a book that that I that I read called Big Magic, where she explains that inspiration is all over us, like all over, and like it chooses you, right? Um, and then if you don't do anything with it, it'll go away. Um, with with you have a particular style, and it's just like I'm curious to how how this this all came about, as far as or even like when you when you create something new, like what what um mode you're in a mode you know where where something inspiration strikes for you mm -hmm. i'm very much inspired by the materials around me textures colors um movements pattern mm -hmm. definitely pattern and repetition as you can see in the work mm. um for me it's really all about the material and it's funny like i've you know unconsciously given myself the title of woodworker because I work with wood, but I'm inspired by all materials and specifically things that we throw away. Um, so the inspiration for me comes from in what is already discarded. You know, why is it being thrown away? Why are people not seeing the value in it or trying to preserve it as much as possible? Because these are, these are resources and there's no reason for it to be thrown away. Yeah. Um, so I look to the, the material or the thing that is in the trash and I kind of just let the form of that particular material just unfold in the work. Mm -hmm. um, obviously with the wood that I use, there's a lot of straight lines and wanting to explore just the relationship of how of that material how these pieces work together and how new life can be added to to the wood so when when something comes in and 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 some in a piece of of wood or or something that was salvaged that you're really excited to tackle what are the next steps that 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 you take well when i get the wood it, it definitely is not in in great condition so there's a lot of nails and a lot of pieces are broken and very mm. sharp and um, sometimes like plaster and stuff is still attached to it. So the initial process is is prepping the wood, taking mm. all the nails out and just cutting the wood down to the size that I need and um, making sure all the rough edges are are taken away. And I actually use 
my offcuts um, and I'm saving those to be used in different ways. So I work with waste, but I'm also holding on to my own waste to, your own waste. to continue using it in different ways. Mm. Would, is, have you already started doing something like that? Like, is it creating a different kind of product? Yes, yes. I've, I've experimented and it's on my Instagram. I have these um, little stools that I made with some just like very thin pieces of wood. Um, and I've actually used um, recycled you know, paper mm -hmm. and turned it into like a clay and basically sculpted around the wood. Um, so working with paper is like my next step. Um, plastic, um, but just trying to be like a zero waste business yeah. and just keep the circle going. Um, the making of paper. So you make your own paper out of the like the. The, these throwaways you no i actually actually shredded pieces of paper oh, okay. so like stuff that junk mail mm -hmm. or old documents okay, yes, i shred yes, them yes, yes. and then i use that paper and i've combined it with the with my scraps of wood mm. i had a friend who used to take uh all like the the unwanted mail mail uh, the paper that she gets in the mail and all of that and she would make her own paper and then screen print on it mm -hmm. so that's a that's definitely a resourceful um technique i mm -hmm. guess uh, so sustainability, can you explain um, that as far as like what got you into uh, making um, work that is sustainable? Well, I, my journey with it definitely began in school, um, studying design and realizing, you know, kind of midway through my my degree that, you know, the design industry is extremely wasteful. It's probably one of the most wasteful industries in the world. Um, and it was very off-putting and I kind of felt ashamed a little bit to be a part of it. And I, and once I started learning about designers and companies and brands that were trying to be more sustainable using recycled materials or paying much more attention to where the resources come from and how they use it, then it just became a part of everything that I created because it's the right thing to do. Um, I know sometimes when when starting a business or, you know, taking that journey, we lose sight of sometimes the things that really do matter. And for me, there was no question about making sure like the environment and everything else is considered and everything that I create, that circle mm -hmm. and that connection to not just the environment, but also to people that make things, where it comes from, and who your work is affecting. Yeah, you yeah, said something earlier. You said you said the word pattern, and I, I think it was like consistent, like your repetition. Repetition. So patterns and repetition. Are you like when you're creating in a in a in a trance? Sometimes it can feel that way. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I've never been asked that question before. So the only reason I ask that is because for me, normally when I'm when I'm in a situation where there's repetition, and this happens a lot, just in general with a lot of people, is that it almost becomes a situation where it's like meditative, mm -hmm. right? So there's been moments me being on a subway and just kind of looking out the, the window, the subway. And then every time like the subway passes a station or whatever, and the, and like you see the columns and stuff like that, it would 
it's this repetition, right? Mm-hmm. And it, I'll be in a trance. But what happens is it, it opens me up to inspiration and ideas, mm-hmm. right? So I'm curious to, when you're in that mode, especially dealing with patterns and, and, and things like that, it's just like, what is going on inside your head? And also, are you like, are you listening to something? Are you listening to music or are you listening to like the sound of, of your machine cutting the wood and, and things like that? So I'm curious to like, if that puts you in a whole different realm where something else comes out of there. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a rhythm that happens when I'm dealing with the, the repetition um, of the pattern. I, f- I feel that there is a rhythm. Um and maybe that's tied in with my roots, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I, I listen to music. Sometimes I work in silence. Yeah. It all depends on what I'm kind of feeling that day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, listening to the sound of the machines when I'm cutting, that can be soothing sometimes as well. But there's also some days when it's overwhelming. So I have to drown it out with mm-hmm. music. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a beat to it, I think. Um, and a strong meditative aspect for yeah. me, for sure. So how do you um, manage your time and your ideas? That's probably been one of the most challenging things for me because, again, as, as a mom, um, especially for the first couple of years, it was very, very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also homeschool my son. Mm, so wow. that's what I do. Um, for the first half of my day in the mornings, okay. I homeschool him. And then from there, um, I come here. And my focus for the other half of the day is is on this. Um, building the brand and working and um, trying to have... And there's there's rhythm that happens with that also. It's I wake up extremely early what every time? day, 5.30. Okay. Um, and I use that time for working out for meditation, for prayer, for, um, just getting my, my list together for the day of everything that I need to do. Um, and then when my son wakes up, it's, it's him, it's time for him. Um, so from five thirty to what is, are you doing those, your, your me time? Uh, five thirty to about seven thirty. Okay. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's some artists, man, that I talk to that just make me feel like I don't do enough. <laughs> And you're one of those folks because <laughs> you just say you homeschool your son. Mm-hmm. So you're a single mom who runs running her own business, who makes you making these things and you you like you really take advantage of your time. And it's just it's really interesting to see, you know, like I woke up today at seven fifteen and was sitting watching the news and drinking my coffee for an hour and a half. Like, but it's one of these things where it's like, I want to do those things that you talk about, like, you know, meditate and do a to do list and all that. But it's just I'd be so tired and exhausted. But it's like, what is my excuse? Because you must be exhausted all the time. Um, sometimes, yes, I have my moments when I'm overwhelmed and overworked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I recognize those moments and I say, okay, I can't go to the studio today. Yeah. I need time for me. Okay. Um, but 
I also make sure that I take care of my body and my mind. I eat well, I exercise, and I do those meditations and those, um, those you know, I pray in the morning because that's, my faith is also something that gets me through my day. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things that are non-negotiable for me, which is, is my health. Yeah. Like my business can crumble tomorrow, mm-hmm. but I, my health is more important than anything. Um, so that comes first. And it was a very, very difficult transition, you know, leaving your nine to five and then having to do this because now I'm in charge and I'm responsible for whether it is successful or a failure. Um, and so I went through so many ups and downs over the last five years because I felt like I was not experienced enough to really manage my time that way. But I learned. I got it together um, with a lot of hard work and patience and you know, forgiving myself for the many mistakes that I've made. Um, but again, it all, it also is possible because I have a good support system. I do have a mother that helps with my son and his dad is very present in his life. So the three of us basically are responsible and take care of him and like will help each other. And even though we are not, you know, his father and I are not together, we have great co-parenting relationship. Yeah. And that's a huge benefit to this. <laughs> you no. know, I can, it would uh, be no, so much more difficult. You need, because... I mean, that support system definitely helps because I can't imagine if you didn't have any, right? Right. What, how tough would that be? I don't really think it would be possible at all for me to be here had yeah. I not have, did it, if I didn't have any of that support. One thing that I've, obviously, uh, that I've learned, and, and, you know, we live in a time where people talk about, like, being their own boss and be like, it's it's just like a, a, a trendy thing to say. Mm-hmm. But folks don't really understand that being your own boss is a lot of work. Extremely hard. You know, especially like when, because when you start off, it's like all fine and dandy, right? You probably doing something at home and like you might have sold something mm-hmm. or you might do a a market somewhere. But then when you start getting more like big, you know, when, you're, when your business starts to grow, that's when stuff gets really tough and like, and little details that you didn't know came with the growth of your business, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you have, is there ever a moment where you feel like, you know what, let me just like close down this shop and just go back to work oh my to God. somebody? So many times. All the time, right? All the time I wanted to quit. But when I would think about what I would be going back to, exactly, it's like, oh, no, I can't do that. Yeah. You know? There was a moment a couple of years back, um, a former coworker of mine, because even though I didn't enjoy my nine to five job, Mm -hmm. the people that I worked with were wonderful. And so I would still be connected with them and check in and see how everybody was. And I had a former coworker who um, was out on maternity maternity leave and I offered to help out a little bit um, just for a couple months or so. And when I went back, nothing had changed. It was the same job. When I left, and that was like three and a half years prior yeah. or four years or something like that. And and I was just like, I made the right decision. Yeah. Because I would still be sitting at this desk mm-hmm. doing the same damn thing every day. Commuting. 
And I wouldn't get home until like 7.30, 8 o'clock because mm-hmm. of the trains and everything. So I was like, okay, I would barely see my son. Yeah. And the salary that I was making was not enough to afford all of the expenses. So I was like, I might as well just, you know, do this and start from the bottom because it's worth more yeah. to me and I get to be with my kid. Yeah. So. there's a, And there's like, there's also a lot of sacrifices, right? But but I'm sure the the prize for you is just being able to spend so much time with your son, mm-hmm. right? Do you have any rituals? Rituals. Mm-hmm. I guess I would say my my ritual is like my morning me time, Your like morning me waking time. up early when it's nice and quiet and mm-hmm. there's really nothing going on and I can just kind of take a deep breath, do what I need to do for me, my my working out, my prayer, my meditation. Um you know, if I'm lucky on a day when my son sleeps in a little bit more, enjoy my breakfast in silence. Okay. But that's not always the case. Uh-huh. Um, but that's I think that's a, a huge ritual for me. The morning time. Yeah. At what time of the day does your because um, I was I usually ask the question, what is your create uh, your peak time, your creative peak time? But you kind of like I guess you're somebody who, you know, you have a regimen where you you homeschool and then you come here. So after that, like what, what's, uh, during what time does your like brain shut off or does it? Oh, it does shut off. It's well, yes and no. My brain doesn't shut off. Uh My body tells me that's That's enough. That's it. It's a wrap. That's enough. Yeah. Um, and then my brain will catch up and be like, okay, that no more, no more thinking Mm -hmm. about creativity, just. It's okay to sit and do nothing. Yeah. Um, and that's a challenge for me, sitting and doing nothing. Because I'm I'm always moving. And then I'll sometimes move so much that I hit those moments where I'm, you know, at a breaking point. It's like, stop. Yeah. Stop. You can't do anything today. Just go to the park. Go spend some time outside. Um, and just, like, just relax. Or sleep in. Yeah. Sleep late. <laughs> do you give yourself a day off? I try. Yes. Yes. Um, Sundays. Sundays. Sundays are my day off. Me and my son, we hang out. We do stuff where I try to see family and friends. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. What is something that you that you obsessed with at the moment? Am I obsessed with? Yeah. Just curious. I don't know. No? I don't know that I would say obsessed. Like a song, a snack, a show. No, I don't think I'm obsessed with anything. No, just work. I and guess. I guess. I don't. I wouldn't say obsessed. I see obsessed as a as a negative thing. Um, passionate about. Yeah. Passionate, definitely, about the work that I'm creating and some things that are in the in the middle of coming out soon, which I can't talk too much about. And my son, and just like, I don't know. That's it. Yeah. No, because like so much going on. I'm normal. Like at the moment, I'm obsessed with mangoes. Mangoes. Okay. Because like I am doing this thing where it's called the Whole Thirty Diet. Uh huh. And I haven't had sugar. Don't uh, you feel better? I feel incredible. Yes. So like I'm obsessed with mangoes now. So whenever I'm feeling that itch to have something sweet mm-hmm. and I just and I have a fruit and like the mango is the one that I'm like yo like because I don't. 
I love mangoes. Like I've always liked it, but I never, even when I go to the Dominican Republic, I don't even have a mango because it's just like I'll having beer instead. Uh huh. You know what I'm saying? So I'm obsessed with mangoes at the moment. Right. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's just that you know, it's, little, it's just interesting because you know sometimes you might be obsessed with a song, like you know. Um, but going back, you say you're working on a project, and I was I don't want to get into that. But whenever you're working on a big project that is so time consuming, right? And there's a there's a deadline. How do you feel the day after it was done? Oh my God, so good. Yeah. I feel. You know, when I'm working on it, I'm fine. It's the last moment when I have to make sure that it's perfect before I ship it out. Yeah. Or when I'm packaging it and like, oh my God, the the so much anxiety mm-hmm. that moment. But once it's out and like my clients like, oh, I got it, I love it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> then I feel incredible and like, let's let's start the next thing now. You don't feel a little bit down? No. 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 Okay. Cause uh. I feel I like I can't wait for the day. Like if I had an exhibit, I can't wait for the opening day. And I'm excited the opening day and I'm a little bit depressed the next day. And like I have a friend, she's a comedian. She just um, um, typed her special and like and she felt the same way, you know, because it's like you kind of reflect on everything you went through in making this thing and then like that's it it's over right so when it's over it's almost like you know you get like i'll get a little bit depressed it's like oh i don't have anything to do even though i do have something to do there's the next project but you kind of like don't want to jump into it right away Mm -hmm. right i can understand that yeah i for me i don't know i think maybe because i'm what I'm creating is not a sh- is not for a show specifically. It's for a particular person. So there is that that desire and that fulfillment and like fulfilling my order to you and like what you've you've um, commissioned me for. And I'm grateful for that business and the fact that you know people have invested into having one of my pieces in their home yeah. that they have to look at and sit at and be at every single day. So I, I feel gratitude mm-hmm. more than anything. And just like, who else wants a piece in their, in their home? Like, so I welcome it. How were you able to, to build your business? So by my understanding, just listening to you, are you mostly commissioned? Mostly? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Do you um, have anything selling in a store somewhere? No. Okay. Mostly commission based. Um, I've had some small collections of things in the past, and I had stuff for sale like on my website. Mm-hmm. Um, but once uh, once the pandemic hit, I guess because people were spending so much time at home, I was actually flooded with really custom orders, that's and awesome. that's what's um, you know it's it's grown since then. And there's been a lot of other things that have happened um, since the pandemic that have helped boost the business name and um it's it's allowing me to move forward in in some other areas that i've i've wanted to touch upon for quite some time but i wasn't ready for it Mm -hmm. so how do you use fear in your creativity (laughs) that's a great question um how do i use fear in my creativity um I do my best to accept what it is that I feel fearful of, Mm -hmm. what I'm afraid of. I don't 
push it aside. I have to acknowledge that it's there and what I'm afraid of and literally work through the solutions in my head. Yeah. So I'm afraid of this, but, you know, on the bright side, here are the things that could come of it or what, just trying to like kind of psychoanalyze my, my own thought process will help me just move through whatever it is that, that I'm, that I'm facing. Yeah. Have you ever dealt with imposter syndrome? Do you know what that is? Yeah. Okay. So, cause obviously you being self-taught, I'm curious if you ever dealt with that. In the beginning, um, for the first couple of years, sure. I just, you know, what am I really doing? If I, you know, I didn't feel too confident in the work that I was producing. Maybe I didn't think it was good enough or like, you know, how dare I charge people for this? Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, um, is this worth it for people? Like what, you know, just questioning. How did you get over that? Especially the part where you say, how dare I charge people for this, for this, this price for this? How do you go? How do you get over that? Listening to other people. Okay. Um, definitely. I, I listen to motivational speeches sometimes when I'm feeling down, mm -hmm. like it helps me. Yes. I look at other successful people mm -hmm. and listen to how they've gotten through their journey. Cause of yes. course, if you're, if you're striving for something, you want to look to the people that are doing better than you and see how did you get there? Um, you know, reading things that are positive, you know, affirmations, like it's okay to charge this because this is your time, you know, and there's value in this and, and just, you know, and seeing just kind of how things were naturally growing where people would seek out the work. And so I'm like, okay, they like it. People do like it. They want it. So I guess I'm not doing something. I'm doing something right. Yeah. So it's, it's okay. And that would help get over that as well. So, yeah, I remember like years, a few years into like doing art and stuff that I was doing th that I finally felt comfortable. It's like, no, I'm, I'm an artist. I've sold pieces I, i've done a, a, an exhibit or two like no i could call myself an artist now because starting off for years it was just like it was obviously comparing myself to others right seeing how others are doing and and not and and still haven't found my voice and then when i found my voice and just seeing people's reaction to it, it was like oh no like this is what i do mm -hmm. yeah yep. And, you know, it would be discouraging for me also where, you know, if if somebody would ask me for something and I gave them a price for it and they would just look at me like, wow, I'm like a sticker shock. I'm like, well, they, I've spent so much time basically giving my work away for free because at the end of the day, when I crunched the numbers, I just felt depleted at the end in the yeah. beginning because I'm like, man, I put so much time into this and this is all I got for it. And making ends meet and being able to pay my rent and like, you know, cause it's, it's, it costs money to run machines and, and have a studio space. So that's when I was just like, you know what, screw this. Like I have to believe in my own value if I want other people to believe in the value. Yeah. And so it, it was baby steps to getting over that. But. Yeah. Will you say that the uh, last year during the pandemic was The, when your business went to another level? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Was um, there one uh, instance that 
you saw that like holy shit and like was there a come almost like a domino effect or something that happened mm-hmm. well at the beginning of the pandemics um i had a couple of orders and then you know somebody reached out for a custom one and then it was just like every month i was i was i was getting one nice and i ended up doing a piece um through a, a former connection with an art curator and ended up doing a piece for Tamron Hall. Oh. And she for invited the show me, or for, it was for her home. Okay. And then she invited me on her show. Word. Um and That's so dope. I was like, oh holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> this just really happened. Uh-huh. Um and then, you know, shortly after that I was I did something for Ralph Lauren recent not too long ago. Okay. So it's been I don't expect any of it. It's just like, let me, I'm, I'm working, working and creating. Yeah. And, you know, if the universe aligns in such a way and this opportunity comes to me, then I'll take it, you know, depending on what it is, of course. Yeah. But I, I guess when, you know, in this time, it's just leaving the door open for things to happen and not like, mm-hmm. I don't, ex- like I said, I don't expect anything or just whatever happens, happens. And just to go, you know, what you're saying is so important, and and I and I want folks to really understand that. Like, people have asked me, "Oh, how do you get X, Y, Z?" Right? Like, there's been certain opportunities that have happened in my life, and it was just like, I just get an email because I'm just busy just doing. Like, I just in my own world, I uh, you know, creating, you know, working on my business or whatever, and then. You never know who's looking at you, mm-hmm. right? Like, you never know who's paying attention, like, which is, it, it's wild. Yeah. Right? So, and, and you know, just be lost in your work. Like, just just create and, and, and certain opportunities will open up, mm-hmm. you know? I've definitely learned that I used to get in my own way a lot mm. because I would want something so bad and I would just, how am I going to get it? How am I going to do, you know, just just push myself so hard and nothing would happen. And so it forced me to like really humble myself. And I became like lost, you know, within my own faith. And that's actually been one of the reasons why so many things have come to me. Yeah, I've had to let go of certain things. Hold, like I hold on to certain visions, but I'm like, okay, God, when it's my time, when it's ready, it'll, it'll present itself. And some of the things that I'm working on now, I've had in my mind for over 10 years. Mm. And it's just now that they're happening because yes. I wasn't ready before. Yeah. If I'm not ready, it's not going to come to me. You can't wish and pray for a million dollars if you can't manage a hundred. So I had to realize like, okay, I don't even know how to do this right. So there's no way that I'm going to get that. Mm-hmm. So let me work on this and, you know, basically clean out all the clutter and all the 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 mess the messiness and make room for those opportunities when you make room for them they start to come yeah and you don't always see it in the way that you would hope to see it sometimes certain people will come into your life and connect to that idea that you had years ago and you're like oh this is how it's going to happen. And mm-hmm. this is like, this is incredible. And that's, that's happened to me over the last few years. And it's, it's really, it's, uh, I don't even know. I don't want to say magical, but 
it's a very it feels magical sometimes. Yeah. When you have those like epiphanies and those moments where no, it's it just is. like, oh. Yeah. I held on to this for so long and I thought it was never gonna happen. And look, this is how it's working out. So you kind of see hindsight, like I had to fix this yeah. in order to get here. Do you remember the moment that you was that you decided I'm just gonna go full fledged into being a you know doing what you're doing now you know it was it was after my son was born because like i said it was a hobby for the most most part before that and the quality that i was putting out was just obviously it was very beginner um what was that what were you putting out um i had done a couple of like the same type of work but just the quality wasn't as good or um there was still a lot of skill that i needed to develop mm -hmm. um and i was just at such a low point like i was at rock bottom yeah so i was like i might as well just do this now because i really have nothing else to lose so and i and i had no set business plan, no like clear direction. I was just like, okay, I figure it out along the way. And it's, it's been really, really hard. But that was, once my son was born, that was when I was like, I have to do this a thousand percent. Oh, that's great. In a, in a, in an alternate universe, what will you be doing? If in an alternate universe, if it wasn't, if you wasn't the mom and you wasn't doing this furniture, playing, you know, uh, doing working with wood and stuff like that, what you would be doing? Honestly, I think I would just be a nomad, just traveling around the world and like just living in different places yeah. and and no no set address, just. A nomad, a wanderer. <laughs> I mean, I, I would, I would probably be doing the same thing, yes. living out of a, an RV or something. Yeah, well, I actually bought one, but oh, word. <laughs> so I'm trying to so make it's that there, happen. Is there, there when you're ready? Yeah, yeah. And last thing is, what's a piece of advice? And honestly, like you being a single mom and a creative, like. I'm sure there's multiple, there's a bunch of, you know, moms out there that are afraid to take that leap, right? That's that hear your story and want to be and that would love to be in that kind of in that position, right? What's a what's a, a piece of advice that you would give to them? Just start. Just do something. Mm. Whatever, no matter how small it is, just do something. Yeah. Um and put it out there you cannot let the the fear of it just overcome you because it's it's gonna hinder if you have that vision and that vision is in you and it's all you can think about yeah you're supposed to be doing something with mm. it so it's like that that nagging little per that little child that just like pokes at you yeah. all day and it's for a reason so make the time and do something with it and see where it takes you but cool. start let's just start get out of your head and start doing it awesome tiffany thank you so much this has been a pleasure i uh, really appreciate your time thank you so much and your it's, insight yes thank you all right thanks